0: In today's episode of Faith in Focus, I'm going to talk about this issue of spiritual warfare. I uh, spoke about it a little bit at Sunday school class this past Sunday, and there was a story that came across the news that I just, it was just perfectly fit with this idea of spiritual warfare. So of course, uh, I had to bring it to an episode of Faith in Focus, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, as I said in that opening, I was discussing spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6 this Sunday at my adult Sunday school class, and oh boy, was there ever a doozy that came across the New York Post? Okay, so I want to talk just about uh, spiritual warfare in general because um, I think it's pertinent. I don't. I think it gets talked about a lot but I don't know that it necessarily often gets applied uh, and there's a couple thoughts that I had shared uh, specifically to my adult Sunday school class uh, that I wanted to share uh, in this episode and of course if you are watching on YouTube you can now see my tech is working again I got a new laptop and uh, thanks in part to the new job that I'm working and uh, so that often helps if you Work a job, you get some income. So, um, so yeah, new tech. Hopefully, it's going to continue working for a little bit, and uh, and hopefully, you'll stick with me as I kind of work the kinks out. I'm finally able to do a little bit more with the software. And again, I just appreciate uh people like you that listen and share the show. Many of you are monthly donors, and that also helps uh, produce the show and allows me to have time to make content. So even though I've missed the past couple weeks as I've adjusted to this new job that I've been doing, I think I'm back in the rhythm and I can start recording regularly. So why not jump right into the deep end with stuff about demons and devils and Satan and and fighting off evil principalities. So this this weekend, I was finishing up Ephesians in, in my class. And, of course, the very classic passage at the end of Ephesians chapter 6 is the, is the armor of God thing. And, and I'm not going to necessarily make this an issue about the armor of God and dissecting every single piece and what it means and everything. But but I do want to read it. But but first I want to read, or, or to show this clip, rather. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just show this clip. It's a clip from the New York Post, and it's kind of a synopsis of a, of the news story. That it was embedded in so let's just check that out really quick so it says the FBI has uncovered a cult of Satanist pedophiles who victimize kids to produce child pornography the group known as 764 extorts minors into recording or live streaming acts of self-harm and producing child sex abuse material the group controls their victims through extreme fear and many members have an end goal of forcing minors they extort into committing suicide on livestream for their own entertainment or fame Authorities made the discovery after receiving an anonymous tip about a social media post made by 23-year-old Queens resident named Angel Almeida, who was arrested on a gun charge, and who is also accused of attempting to lure two underage girls into sexual activity. One of Almeida's most disturbing posts was on an Instagram po- profile, Necropedo Cell, that featured a photo of what appeared to be a child gagged. During a search of his apartment, agents disturb- found disturbing items, including a blood covenant and a bunch of damning digital files. His trial is scheduled for December 4th, and if he's found guilty, he can face life in prison. Isn't that just amazing? Isn't that just lovely? Um, this idea that there's this Satanist pedophile ring running around New York City. Um, it, it's the its the kinds of things that, you know, and I I'd said, I don't think I said it this Sunday, but I said it recently that I know intellectually that Satan, in, in biblically, I mean theologically, I believe that Satan exists. I believe that he's a real uh, personal being that exists. He's a created being. And, and I believe he's out there. But I, I don't often think he plays his hands as brazenly as this. I'm like, come on. You know, when people say they're Satanist, I mean, I mean, come on. Not really Satanist. Satan doesn't do these kinds of things, does he? Well, when you look in the Gospels and you see Satan and, and, and demons doing things. Uh, it often involves, you know, people harming themselves and, and debasing themselves and engaging in all kinds of uh, depravity and, and self-harm and stuff like that. And then lo and behold, we've got a group of Satanists who now have moved this to the digital age and now they're filming it. And, and what's what's interesting is that, again, we hear this kind of stuff. And, and these are like in conspiracy forums, right, that Satanist groups exist. But it sounds hokey. I mean, it just sounds so crazy. Yet it's right there. You know. You, you see, uh, who was it? Uh, we were just talking about on, on our uh, Daily Wire friends show, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Uh, we stream on YouTube, and we were just talking. I think it was last week. Uh, the the government of Ukraine had just hired this woman to be a spokes an ambassador a spokesperson, and she was back in twenty sixteen. These internet leaked files came out. She was doing, like, these things called spirit cooking ceremonies. And they're, like, these weird things where you're mixing, like, blood and milk and you're doing these things. And it kind of was like, well, she's just an artist. And artists do eccentric things, right? Well, no. She had said in her own Ask Me Anything Forum thing, well, yes, it is either if it's art, if it's done in an artistic setting. But if it's done in private homes and at private gatherings, there is a religious sim. Uh, significance to it so you have the woman herself saying yeah this is yeah this is satanism that's what that's what we're doing so that's the kind of stuff's going on you had back in the you know was it the 70s i think it was the 70s was the summer of sam or the son of sam rather and he has said that you know there was a satanic element to it there is a a a i don't really want to call it a conspiracy theory necessarily but there's this pretty widely held belief and and uh, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam himself, said, "You know, later I didn't act alone. You know, there was a group of us, and we were Satanists. We were part of this thing called the Process." And and then all the the sketches of the different Son of Sam shootings were clearly different people. Like he was saying, "Yeah, you know, I killed some of these people," and of course we were worshipping Satan at the time. And even and that in the story that Son of Sam David Berkowitz tells that is involved in the Process it's tied in with like satanic there's this uh, satanic ritualistic side of things and it's like where are all these things coming from i mean we we say that this stuff's not real it it is It, it keeps cropping up it keeps raising its head and i think again i like i said i i know that that satan exists i believe that he exists but then when you see it it's like come on that kind of stuff doesn't exist right but it does and so I think that the danger and this is one of the things that I spoke to on Sunday, I think one of the dangers is that we we see what's happening in our culture we 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 are a judeo christian country that's what we you know we like to claim as our founding is we're founded on judeo christian values and so therefore we believe this is a Christian nation and it must always be a christian nation and if it's it's not living up to Christian values while something is wrong. And, of course, I tend to agree with all of that stuff, kind of. You know, I, I would much rather live in a country that's Judeo-Christian. It seems to be a lot better of a society than, than one that's not. And And so because that was our political system for so long, now that we see that slipping through our hands, the way we tend to think, oh, the way I have to fight this is, we think we have to do it through political means now if you're a political person if you're a politician if you're an activist or whatever you know maybe that's how you have to fight because that's the fight that you're in but we as christians don't fight that way and and if we want to have have a judeo-christian culture and a judeo-christian government or whatever whatever that might look like it doesn't start by using the government and saying you must be Judeo-Christian. It is the culture itself follows Christian principles. So then by default, that's what the government reflects. I think that the government will just reflect back to us what our culture is. If we have, you know, a very crappy government with very corrupt people and you you watch what they do and you think we can't take these people seriously. I think that they're just, we voted for them. I mean, they're the people that are there. So I think it's, we as christians we have to win the culture back to a judeo-christian worldview so and that's a much different thing than trying to use the weapons of the world to to uh to win that fight so this passage again very famous in uh ephesians chapter 6 in verse 10 he says paul says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, this this first principle that you have to understand is we don't fight against, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And so. When you, when you look at the TV and you see a corrupt politician, when you, when you look at whatever social media and you see an activist who is espousing beliefs and and practices that you think are completely abhorrent and anti-Christian and whatever, um, and and anti-moral, anti-whatever it might be, you have to understand that person is not your enemy, right? That person is a part of a system that maybe they've been lied to and deceived and led to believe, you know, that that's one of the things that uh, I've always respected about uh, Andrew Claven and I've talked about him on the show and actually have had his son on the show, but one of the things I respect about him is with the abortion issue, which, you know, most Christians are in agreement, that's that's pretty low, you know, that we're down in Baal and, and Molech worshiping territories when we're sacrificing and killing children, so that's pretty low. Now, one of the things that Clavin that says is that you can't, you know, our belief is we want to, like, you know, let's just criminalize it and we want to arrest the women. If a woman gets an abortion, throw her in jail. And one of the things I tend to agree with is you have to understand that women who believe in abortion have been lied to. This is the the water in which they swim. So it's like a woman who's had an abortion, that's, she's not the enemy. She's, she's a, another victim of what's going on behind the scenes. So first of all, it's we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That isn't you know, the the war is not against the Democrats or the Republicans or the establishment. And, and you know, I more than anybody probably talk about this stuff all the time. Like I mentioned I'm on a I'm on a show where we talk about this stuff, but I have to constantly remind myself that these people are not the enemy. These people are victims. The real enemy is the enemy of god he is the one behind the scenes the 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 evil forces of this world and so paul says three times you got to stand firm you got to make sure that you're standing firm because in combat you don't want to get knocked down if you get knocked down you're done for you're going to get wiped out so got to make sure that you're standing firm and so he continues on in that passage he says <clears throat> therefore take up the full armor of god so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so I do think that one of the first things that we have to appreciate is the belt of truth. That is the thing that holds all of the armor together. The, you know, it goes across the center, but everything kind of clips into it. And it holds the holds the pants up. It holds the breastplate in place. It holds everything in place. Holds your sword. That's kind of the center post. And I do think that you know, we in a culture are moving rapidly away from truth. We're we're moving further and further um, into when you think of postmodernism. This is that belief that whatever's true for you is true for you. Truth is relative, and we invent our own truth. So, we're moving further and further, and that's, you know, when we say we're moving from a Judeo-Christian worldview, that is part of it. That's just a fundamental thing that we're we're moving away from, is truth. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, that's a true statement. I remember Ravi Zacharias... um, you know, talking about, he was talking to kind of like relativistic people, and they're saying, you know, oh, you know, you believe in Jesus, you believe in that, and I believe in this, and you know, it's all kind of true or whatever, and and he made the point to say, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except to me, that's a absolute, that's an exclusive statement, and it is a most reasonable statement, but whether it's true or not, (coughs) that is what's important, and so, of course, as we move away from truth, things start to fall apart. And of course our culture is going to become more relativistic. Things are going to start to fall apart because there's no, there's nothing anchoring it. So truth is that center thing that everything anchors to. And, and, and then in our own fight against spiritual warfare, truth is the thing that, that holds all of the spiritual components together. So if we're going to, if we can't compromise on truth, and say, you know, truth is irrelevant, truth is optional in this fight against spiritual beings. You know, when Paul says, you know, we're fighting against the schemes of the devil, in Second Corinthians he says we're not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant of the fact that there's these strongholds, that there's these lofty ideas lifted up against the knowledge of God, that we have to take every thought captive. This is a battle that happens in the mind. It's a battle over truth. So if in that battle, again, we're not talking and the voting booth, we're not talking activism, we're not holding street signs, we're not talking about voting people out, voting people in, passing laws, none of that stuff. That's, that's fighting against flesh and blood. What we're talking about is a spiritual warfare, and that takes place in the mind, and in, in they are propositional truths. So if we are going to fight this war, and we're going the first thing that we're going to compromise on is truth then we've already lost the war our pants fall around our ankles our breastplate doesn't stay in place we're just left there completely naked you know i mean if a soldier's pants fall i maybe literally naked but we're completely left with our pants around our ankles if we compromise truth and so this is why you know i you know the 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 issue of like you know transgenderism okay you know we can sympathize with people who, you know, feel out of place in their bodies. And I do think that Christianity has been often um, kind of backed into a corner and forced to um, side with some elements of kind of transgenderism out, out of compassion, out of a sense of love and compassion and, and kindness and, and graciousness and all these things that are the fruits of the spirit. But, but truth and, and honesty and integrity, these are also fruits of the spirit. So you can't compromise one. If if somebody thinks that they are the wrong gender, they're in the wrong body or something, you know, that's a claim that's either true or false. And if we affirm to that person, yes, what you, what you what you believe about reality is true when it's actually false, we are already seeding the ground of truth, and and it actually becomes maybe unknowingly to us that that we are trying to play a game of, you know, um, the ends justifying the means. We think, well, if I just be gracious, if I be kind, if I, whatever, you know, if I be loving, how, you know, how this person has defined loving, if, if I'm this way, then then I'll be able to win them to Christ. But in this, remember, this is, we're not arguing with, that person is not the enemy. We're not arguing to try to persuade that person. And if we feel like, oh, if we if we show them love and we're kind to them, Maybe we can win them over. We're arguing, we we are fighting with the enemy behind that lie that's deceiving that person. And Satan knows full well that this is not true. And so if we in that battle have already said, started by buying into lies and admitting to lies, even if it's for a good motive, I think that we're, I think that we're missing the boat. So um, if we continue on, again, I don't want to necessarily spend all this time talking about these different pieces of the body of the uh, armor of God. But you got the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and having taken up the shield of faith, which will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that last one, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Of course, we often will talk about how necessary it is to use the bible it's the sword if you've been to vbs it's like the sword drills right you hold the sword up you know and, and you got to flip through the bible and find the bible verse because it's the sword but we often think of a sword like a big long aragorn lord of the rings type sword where we're you know swinging this huge you know battle sword that's like four foot long it's like 75 pounds and it's just crushing everything in its path but then you have to realize that's that wouldn't be very practical when you're in a fight in the Ro- like in the Romans fought kind of hand to hand combat almost, you're right in there like rugby kind of, and having a big sword like that's not very practical. It's just so heavy, you're gonna get tired and, and worn out. This sword was much as a smaller, just like a two-foot sword, not that long. It was you could move really close and and, and, and you're kind of in close quarters and, and fighting in the, and, and to me, again, there's probably a lot you could pull from this. But one of the things that I shared one thought that I had was this is another issue that I think that we as Christians really have to grapple with in this battle against not flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. Is you can train all day long to try to understand the government and logic and, and all the, the economics and you know theories of such and such and Marxism and all these kinds of things. Those things aren't fighting against the spirit those things are flesh and blood fights and those things might be useful and helpful i'm not necessarily taking away from any of that stuff but if we're fighting the spiritual warfare which is the battle that we have been called to fight as christians this happens with the word of god and we have to know the word of god in order to fight this battle and and one thing that when i thought about close hand to hand combat sometimes it's easy to think about the word of god From just like this far out abstract, everything's from 10,000 feet up in the air and we're talking theology. This is one of the problems with Bible colleges is you're just sitting around talking theology all day long and ooh, maybe if God really does see the future, are we predestined to this and that and ooh, and if God knows then we can't really have free will choices, but we do have free will choices, but we have free will, you know, all this nonsense nonsense that, oh man, are you dispensational? Are you covenant theologian? And you're probably sitting there thinking, what the heck are you even talking about? Believe me, if you've gone to Bible school, these things are worth killing over. People fight about these things all the time. They probably fight in your comment section if you are posting anything theological on uh, social media though. These are the things people fight about, but it's like, these things don't, not that they don't matter, but they don't impact them. They have nothing to do with, when we're in that spiritual fight, we're close in there. It's like, you need to be viewing the word of God as a weapon that you're close in there in ministry. You are in the fight. You're not sitting in some library somewhere theorizing about theology and and all the, and, and practice of all these kinds of things. That's fine in peacetime. You can sit in a nice library and, and, and think about theology all day long. But when we're in the fight, the word of God has to be practical. It has to work. It has to get the job done. So I think... We need to shift and view, again, our time in the Word of God is not learning just abstract ideas. It's, okay, this is equipping me to fight in that battle. This is, I'm, I'm sharpening my knife. I'm sharpening my little short sword, my blade here, so I can really get in there and fight this battle. Because, again, remember, Satan is fighting through lies, deceptions, thoughts, and accusations against God. And God's Word is truth. It's the thing that cuts through. And if we're just off there sitting in a library, oh, you know, the blade's dull and rusty over there. It's not being used because we're sitting here writing books and, and yapping about stupid theology stuff. No, but nothing's getting fought. No fights, no wars are being won. And we can pat ourselves on the back saying, hey, we're doing a good job studying God's word. but Nothing's actually getting done. So just what I wanted to share, I guess, in this episode is that shocking story. You know, Satan is real. Like, it's there in front of our face. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking, like, come on, that stuff's not real, right? I mean, it's like, when does that stuff ever really exist? I mean, sure, Satan's real. He's real, but, you know, he's not really doing stuff like that. He is real. And every once in a while, it bubbles up to the surface. And when you look at spiritual warfare and this idea of the Christian life being um, a war, that motif is used. A lot in Scripture and so I would just challenge you go back through that Ephesians 6 read that armor of God stuff and really consider we are in a war not over flesh and blood stuff but over the spiritual principles that are governing the things happening in our country so the the, the, the war is not fought in the political realm the war is fought in the spiritual realm over issues Like we talked about in this episode, they may manifest themselves in the political realm, but ultimately that's not where the war is fought. So hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you next time, hopefully with a much brighter uh, topic to to discuss. So we'll see you then. While Faith and Focus is a ministry of mine as a missionary within faith, it's important to remember That the views and opinions or lifestyles expressed and lived out in this podcast are not an endorsement of things that are believed by in faith as a mission.